but I'm just excited to be here. And uh, my name is Ben Taylor. I'm one of the missions pastors here at the church. And uh, I'm just so excited about to have the opportunity just to talk about this topic, Lord, send me. And so what I want to do is pray. And then as I pray, I want you to think about uh, why did you choose this breakout? Uh, why did you choose this breakout? And, uh, and some of you are like, it chose me. Uh, I don't know if I had much of a choice in it. Uh, but I want to just hear a little bit because I feel like out of all the breakouts, this is one of those, those ones that you know you have a purpose for being here today. And I would love to hear what some of those purposes are. And, uh, and then hopefully we'll be able to fulfill some of them and, and help uh, equip you for what you're wanting uh, to, to really get out of today. So let me pray for us and then uh, we're going to jump into answering that question, why are we here today? Father, we thank you and we love you. I'm just so grateful for the opportunity just to be in this room. Lord, uh, you're calling and sending all of us. And Lord, I pray that as we walk through today, that we will begin to understand and be able to realize, God, that you have a wonderful plan and purpose for our life. And that purpose is to just bring you glory and expand and build your kingdom. And Lord, as we walk through and just really contemplate, why do you have us here today? Lord, I pray, Lord, that someone will walk away encouraged today. Someone will walk away understanding that... Um, that they have a purpose for their life. And Lord, we just thank you and we love you. In your son's most precious name we pray, amen. All right, so let's talk about this question. Why did I choose this breakout? When you chose this, you read a description and you said, that's the one that I want to go to. Um, I know I'm great and a lot of people want to come hear me. Part of it, most of you don't know who I am, but... Why did you choose this specific one where it says, Lord, send me? Who wants to answer that question? That's exciting. That's exciting. Is there anybody else in here that would say, you know what? I feel like I've been called to some sort of ministry, but I don't know exactly know what that is yet. Is there anybody else in that same boat? All right. We've got one, two, three, several of you. Praise the Lord. That is awesome. This is a great place to be. All right. Anybody else that wants to answer that question? Why did I join this breakout? That's awesome. He, he was just saying that, that he knows that the Lord is calling him to do more. And he wants to kind of walk through that and figure out exactly what that is. That's awesome. Anybody else? Why did you choose this breakout? Sure. That's exciting. Well, I think, and, and there's going to be some things that will help you with that, I think, today. And, uh, and then at the end, we'll try to uh, have some opportunity for questions and we'll walk through that. Um, so what I want to do is... When you look at, if, if there's a send out for uh, a, uh, if there's a missions uh, breakout session, that's what this is. Uh, we're really kind of diving in and really trying to figure out what does it mean to live missionally? What does it mean to be mission minded? And what, when I think about that, there are seminary degrees and classes upon classes upon classes on how to do missions. But one of the things that I believe where we're at in our uh, day and age is, especially as believers, how we need to get to the place where we understand that it is a call of God for us to be mission-minded. Now, when we think the term mission, we normally go directly to missionary, right? 
And when we think about missionary, we think about somebody getting on a plane, going to a faraway land, and engaging with individuals who speak another language. And yes, that is absolutely true, and that is a part of missions. And you, we need to all be willing to go to the nations, as Matthew 28, 18, and 20 tells us. But that is, is sometimes our minds go there so quickly that we miss what it means to be missional and living what I call the missionary task out today. And so my purpose for today is to really help you understand that you have a role to play in the mission of God. And it's what I want to focus on is just the conviction that God has called you and set you apart for a specific and particular purpose. All right, we need to, before we start thinking about the how, we need to think about the why. And when I look at how I kind of explain this, you have competencies and convictions. Competencies, that means that you're competent to do something. That means you know how to do it. Convictions means that there is something that is driving you the why that you do something. And so today, I want to spend a little bit of time walking through the why and we're going to utilize Scripture as our guide. And we're going to utilize the example of a man named Isaiah and what happened in his life and how God called him out to his people. And then we're going to apply it to our lives. When we begin to look at Scripture, if you have a Bible or you want to get on your phone, you can look at um, Isaiah chapter 6. When we begin to look at... Uh, at Isaiah chapter 6, what we begin to find is that Isaiah has an encounter with God. Isaiah has an encounter with God. And it is an amazing thing as we read Isaiah chapter 6 because God gives him a vision like no other. And in this, uh, this part of Isaiah's life story, we really begin to see the why behind what he did as a prophet. And then as we begin to dive into his experience and his encounter with God, then we can begin to really determine and see how our encounter with God can make a difference in our life. All right, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 1 through... Uh, we're going to start off by reading verses 1 through uh, 3, and then we'll, we'll finish, come on a little bit further after that. But it says this, In the year that king, of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting uh, on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of His robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above Him, each having six wings. With two He covered His face, with two He covered His feet, with two He flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. When we're looking at and we're starting to understand that, that Isaiah had an encounter of God, we're going to learn about four really changes that happen to an individual when they really and truly have an encounter with God. Now, when would you say a vision of God in His throne with angels surrounding Him and singing, holy, 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 would you say that that, that is an encounter with God? Yes, we would say that, right? You need to understand this. If you have truly had an encounter with God that encounter will change you, all right? That encounter with God will change you and who you are. 
Now, I look at, and I'll read this text that we're going to read today, and I see four changes that happened in Isaiah's life. Uh, and it's also what happened in our lives when we truly encounter God. And the first one is this, that when you truly have an encounter of, with God, your view of God will change. Your view of God will change. Now listen, get an understanding of where Isaiah is at in his life. Isaiah was a prophet in the time of Israel. And they are walking through, and it says, in the, uh, in the year that King Uzziah, of Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. Uzziah was a king. Now get this, he sat on his throne for 52 years. And during his reign was great peace and prosperity. He was the guy. God blessed him and encouraged him. And in the midst of this, of his death, when everything has happened, we just went through uh, an election, right? Was it a little crazy in our country around election time? So when there's a, a transition of power, a transition of, of kings or whatever, whether it's presidents or kings, there's always this uncertainty that's in place. And it's almost as if in the moment where God is, is, is seeing this emptiness on the throne of Israel, of Judah, He says, He sends a vision to Isaiah. He says, yes, the throne in Judah may be empty, but the throne in heaven is not. And in the midst of this, he sees a vision. And this vision causes Isaiah to change his view of God. How do we know that? Because it says right here, it says, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted with the train of His robe, filling the temple. Seraphim stood above Him, each having six wings. With two He covered His faith." face with two he covered his feet with two he flew and one he called out to another and said holy 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 is the lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory when we look at this picture in isaiah it is amazing to see the same thing is going on in revelation chapter 4 at the end of time john he sees a vision of angels around the throne singing what? Holy, holy, holy. So the angels that are around the throne of God sing one chorus. Holy, holy, holy. So what does it mean for God to be holy? When you see and hear the word holy, it means to be separate, to be set apart, to be different. Right? So God is different, set apart above all beings. In God, you see perfect love and perfect justice. Love says that He, the Bible says that God loves us with an everlasting love. He loves us with an everlasting love. But yet, He is just in that, Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, that He will by no means allow the guilty to go unpunished. Perfect love perfect justice, that is the right view of God. Isaiah, his view of God changed. Whatever it was, at this moment in his life, when he saw this vision, he knew who God was. 
holy, holy, holy. Perfect love, perfect peace, perfect in all ways. Perfect justice. That's the God that we worship. Guys, if we are walking through our life and and we are worshiping any other God besides the God of the Bible, then we are worshiping a false God. And here's the tendency as us as believers, sometimes we like to make God not in the image of some tree or living creature, but we like to make God in our own image, saying that God would not do this, these things because that's not how I would do it. We must have a right view of God. If we have a right view of God, then as we walk through and we begin to think about missions, then that is the right the right thing that we're going to be teaching others as we go out. So we must have a right view of God. Not only when you have an encounter with God, do you have a right view of, of God, but you also have you, the way that you view yourself changes. The way that you view yourself changes. Look at verse 4. It says, And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of Him who called out, while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with the tongs. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away from you, and your sin is forgiven. When he was faced with this vision of God, what was his first response? Was it cool? That's awesome. I love that. No, it was, woe is me. For I am ruined. That word ruined means utterly destroyed. And then he had a reason why he was utterly destroyed. It was because that he was a man of unclean lips, that he was a sinner. See, when we think about missions, we have to understand that we are taking a message to other people that we have first received ourselves. Right? And we have to get to this place where Isaiah was when we get in the right view of God and we begin to understand that woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. His view of himself changed. He realized that he was lost and undone, that he was separated from God forever because of his sins. His view of himself changed, right? You cannot walk around thinking more highly of yourself than you ought and still have the love of God that you're showing to other people. Anytime that you lift yourself up, you're putting others down. And so a key part of missions is understanding your role that God has for you. So Isaiah, his view of God changed. The view of himself changed. And then third, it says, when you really have an encounter with God, your eternal destination will change. And that's what happens with Isaiah. Verse 6, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it, and he said, Behold, 
This has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sin is forgiven. Isaiah, was a coal was taken from the altar. That altar that, was, that is used to sacrifice animals and give offerings for sin. That burning coal was placed on his lips. Now, isn't that interesting? That which he admitted was his issue, his mouth. He was a man of unclean lips. That is the sin that he personified that there was an issue with him. He knew there was something wrong with his lips. Isn't that what Daniel talked about this morning? Isn't that crazy? He said, I am a man of unclean lips. Now, when Isaiah, he gets that, that tongue comes from those angels, where does, he, where does that angel place it on his body? On his lips. And he purifies his mouth. That which he was, which he was struggling with with sin is what God purified with that burning coal. And that one sin is representative of all sins. And so as we're walking, we begin to understand that if we have a right view of God and we have a right view of ourselves, then what that creates in us is an opportunity for us to have salvation and where we will be forgiven just like Isaiah. Now this is key when we start to think about missions. When you think about missions, it's going to somewhere else to tell somebody else about who? Come on, this is one of those easy Sunday school answers. About who? There we go. About Jesus. So we're looking and we're going and we're wanting to tell others about Jesus. How can you tell anybody about Jesus that if you have not experienced Him for yourself? So this encounter with God that Isaiah had, it wrecked his world. He had a true encounter with God and that encounter brought about salvation for him to where his eternal destination was changed forever. Now, this is what I want you to do. And this is going to take some, some working on, on your side. This is going to be some interaction. You are around a group of people if, what I would like for you to do is turn, keep your chairs where you're at, but turn and face somebody else. And if you're here today and you say that I want to be somebody that takes the story of Jesus to other peoples, whether it's across our city or across the world, I want you to tell somebody in here today about your encounter with God. Because listen, that's what we do when we we're going to missions. We're going and telling other people about what God has done in our life through the story of the gospel. So what I want you to do is share with somebody today what God has done for you. Talk about your encounter with God. And I want to share my encounter with God with you that, that changed my life. I grew up in church. I was one of those guys, by the time I was uh, eight years old, everybody said, you're going to be the next preacher of the church, you're great, and da-da-da-da-da. At an early age, I went to VBS at eight years old. And I was sitting in the pew, and I was listening to a message, and I knew that I was lost, and I was separated from God. And I went into, and they had an altar call, they had a time of invitation, and I answered. I went down. 
And at that moment, the way that that pastor did it, he had all of us gathered around him and he prayed a prayer. Well, at that time in my life, anytime an adult prayed, what did I do as an eight-year-old boy? I bowed my head and I listened to what he said. And I walked away from moving under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I walked right back to my seat just as lost as I was when I walked forward because I didn't understand what was going on in my heart. And I struggled over the next six years with my salvation, going to church, doing all the right things, faking people out. I was saying all the right things. I mean, literally, people said, he's the next preacher. And so what I did is I learned real quick how to make people happy in church. And I behaved in order to make others like me and for them to think that I'm better than I was. Internally, I struggled with my thought life. I struggled with anger. I struggled with unforgiveness. I struggled with cursing. But yet on the outside, I looked just like that wonderful, good Christian everybody expects you to be. And then one Sunday, somebody started, our, our pastor started preaching on this parable, the parable of the wheat and the tear, or the wheat and the weeds. And then what happens in that parable, Jesus is explaining, He says, this man, he comes and he plants good seed in his field. And then at night when nobody is watching, the evil one, he comes in and he plants tear in his field, which is a weed, a, a weed that looks just like wheat. Looks just like wheat. When you break it open, it's empty on the inside. And in that moment, the Spirit of God told me, you are that weed. You look beautiful on the outside when it comes to the things of God, but on the inside, you are empty. And at that moment, I asked God to come into my life. I repented of my sins and I placed my faith and my trust in Him. That is my encounter with God. I remember it to this day. And I know when I go back to that day, when I was 14 years old, in February of 1995, I think. Whew, it's a long time ago. <laughs> I'm old. God wrecked my life in such a good way. He changed my eternal destination. And I want us to take just a few minutes, turn your chairs around to where you're facing somebody, keep your mask on, and tell somebody about your encounter. Because this is where missions start. Guys, if we can't tell people about our encounter with God in this room, how can we be expected to tell other people about our encounter with God in the saving gospel of Jesus Christ outside of this room? And this is going to stretch some of you, but I want you to do it, okay? All right, take about... All right, I'm sorry to have to cut you short, but I want to uh, finish up. Was that encouraging to hear about somebody else's encounter with God? Wasn't that encouraging? We begin to see that God is moving in, in everybody, in other people's lives, and, and, and it is, brings us encouragement. And so I want you to really think about that. So now, after you know and you've learned about somebody else's encounter with God, 
and we're reading this encounter of Isaiah, what I learned from the, the next aspect of, of Isaiah's life is that, that his mission changed. And that when you have a true encounter with God, your life's mission will change. It is no longer about you. It is no longer about what you want and your desire, but it is about what God wants for your life. Look at what, what happens uh, in verse uh, 8. Isaiah says this, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. He said, Go and tell this people. Keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull and their eyes dim. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and return and be healed. And then what you see in these verses is interesting aspects of Isaiah. First, you see that Isaiah heard the voice of the Lord. What You hear this, he says, just in verse 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, He heard the voice of the Lord. And the Lord was saying a specific thing. He asked him a question. Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Then Isaiah responded to the voice of God. A verbal response to the word of God. What did Isaiah said? He said, here am I, send me. And then Isaiah became the voice of God. God told Isaiah to go and tell this people. He said, go and tell this people. And he gave Isaiah a very specific message. So when we see that we have a true encounter with God, our view of God changes, our view of ourself changes, our eternal destination changes, and then our life's mission changes. And we have to begin to understand exactly what that means on our day-to-day -day life. Now, I always like to point this out. I've used this a couple of times, and this is just a good reminder. When you talk about a command, a command is, is something, it's an order, it's given instruction. If your mom tells you to go clean your room, is that a suggestion? Yes or no? No, that's a command, right? Then you have a calling. A calling is a strong inner impulse toward particular course of action, especially when accompanied by conviction of divine influence. A calling is separate than a command. And we have to begin to understand that there's commands throughout all Scripture, and I'll just, a, a couple of them. You have the greatest commandments, Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 through 40. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said uh, to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the great and foremost commandment is this. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law of the prophets. Jesus is saying, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. You must love your neighbor as yourself. These are not suggestions, these are commands. We're not all called to love our neighbors, we are commanded to love our neighbors. Do you understand that? You don't get to pick and choose who you love. 
You don't get to pick and choose who deserves to hear the gospel. We must go and follow that command. Another command is the Great Commission. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, make disciples. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. Commandments. Go and tell. Commandments. Love the Lord your God. Commandments. Love your neighbor. You do not get to choose the commands that you get to obey or not obey. To live a life that is not loving towards God or loving towards others is disobedience. Living a life that is not going and making disciples of all the nations is living in disobedience. Now, those are the commands of God. Now we have the calling of God. Understanding that the calling is distinct for a distinct purpose and a plan and a place where we all are commanded to go and tell, but some of us are called to tell people in Memphis. Some people are called to tell people in Denver, Colorado. Some people are called to Chad, Africa. Right? So what we have to discern in this room is what is our calling? You're saying, Ben... I have no idea. See, here's the lie that we believe, right? Especially as young people, right? You are being told right now, you've got to go to college. Your parents are going to get mad at me when I start talking like this. You've got to go to college. You need to get an education so that you can make a living. And that is important. And you need to be able to care for yourself. But what if God is calling you to go to college to get an education so that you can use your profession as a platform for the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, so many times we feel like the job, the profession that we have is so that I can earn a living, so that I can take care of my family. I'm crazy enough to think that if God has commanded me to love Him, to love others, and go and tell people about Him, that everything in my life should revolve around fulfilling that command. Right? And so now, it's different. When I'm looking and I'm picking universities, and I'm picking professions... I need to discern whether or not God is calling me to that profession. I need to pray and see if God wants me to be whatever. And why is it? It's for His kingdom and His glory. Listen, I have a degree in chemistry. I went to school four years and earned a degree in chemistry. I thought I was smart. And then God called me into full-time ministry. And I'm like, I have nothing that I can use <laughs> from my undergraduate degree for the kingdom of God. And then I start to realize, no, I can use my chemistry degree in all kinds of ways. And then when God called me into full-time ministry, I went and I got educated uh, all over again. Well, praise God. I would suggest you figure that out first. <laughs> and then you pursue what God's calling you to do. Now, 
you're in here, you're, you're thinking about what you want to do for a living. My only encouragement to you is let that be based around the plan that God has for your life, not based on your comfort and your desire to have wealth and influence and all of that. Because that's the opposite of what the world is telling you. I want your career decisions to be based on a calling that God has given you to reach people for Him. Are y'all tracking with me? My desire is that you would consider a call to full-time ministry first before you consider any other profession. You need to be willing to say, God, do you want me into full-time ministry somewhere, somehow? You ask that question first, and then if God says no, I want to use you as a nurse. I want to use you as a teacher. I want to use you as a mechanic. I want to use you as a professional for my kingdom in that setting, not in full-time ministry. Because there's some people that have more access to lost people in their profession than I do as a pastor. So your first question is, God, are you calling me into full-time ministry? And if so, what does that look like? Then your second question is, what career do you want to call me to so that I can best reach the nations for you and build your kingdom? See, that's completely different than what the world has taught you from you are a little bitty person. Unless you have God-fearing parents. Like my parents, I think I'm 40 years old. I think my parents are still waiting for me to get a real job because they don't get that what God is calling me to is so much greater than my comfort and, and my, my well-being. Does that make sense? And so think about that. So what does that mean for us today? Follow God's commands. And this is where I want you to, to introduce you. I gave you a piece of paper with this. In Bellevue Missions, we are adopting this language, and we look at it this way. Bellevue Missions, we exist to equip, you to engage in the missionary task. Now, this missionary task has six components. You can take it, study it. I gave you a missions magazine. Uh, we wrote some articles on it so you can better understand it. But here's the deal. This missionary task is just biblical Christianity. And I want you to follow with me. You have entry. That is, where are you around lost people. You have evangelism because you, you do understand that there's a time where we can be around lost people but not sharing the gospel with them. So we have injury, evangelism, discipleship. Who is it that I'm discipling in my life? Healthy church formation, leadership development, and exit to partnership. Now, this is a tool that the IMB, the International Mission Board, uses to train their missionaries to go and engage in the work that God's called them to do. And this is where I want to challenge you today. I believe that this core missionary task is not just for International Mission Board missionaries. I think it's for every single believer. Why is that? Because the Great Commission is a command. We are commanded to go. It's not a suggestion. And so I need to be willing to engage in the missionary task. And so when we do that, we're going to answer these questions. 
where do I have access to people who need to hear the gospel? I want you all to answer this question for me. Somebody give me an answer. Where do you have access to people who need to hear the gospel? School. All right. Work. Where else? In the church. There's lost people in the church. Think about it. Your own personal life. How about our families? Anybody have lost family members? Right? Where do you have access to lost people? Where do you have access to lost people? Am I actively sharing the gospel with those who need to hear? Ask yourself this question. Because we have access to people who need to hear, and we have the message that we need to tell them, but are we actively sharing the gospel with those that need to hear? Do you realize and understand that you have access to people that I will never have access to with the gospel? That there's only people that God has put in your life for you to reach. And so if we're going to engage in this missionary task, we have to begin to understand that there are specific people that God has placed in my life that I am to share the gospel with. This question, do I rely on the Word of God and the Spirit of God to develop relationships that lead to intentional heart transformation? This is discipleship. See, a lot of times in your life right now, you're being discipled. And sometimes when we are being discipled, we feel like that we can check out and not disciple anybody. Do you understand that you have a responsibility, responsibility to disciple somebody even now? You can find somebody younger than you or less mature in their faith than you. And then you can begin to disciple them where you're at. That's what we can do. And we have to rely on the Word of God and the Spirit of God to lead us in those discipleship relationships. Am I engaged in the life of a local church and moving those I disciple to do the same? This is that idea of healthy church formation. Because to complete your, your Christian life, it has to happen in community. And God created the church for that community. Don't try to live your life separated from the church of God. You need to be engaged in church with that local body of believers. And do I engage in equipping opportunities to train those I disciple to fulfill the Great Commission? That's what we call leadership development, leadership training. We want to lead others, to train others, to do and live out the Great Commission. And then do I effectively transition my relationships from discipleship to, to partnership so that the gospel can be multiplied among those who haven't heard. And this is a tough part. I have folks that I disciple, and I never want to lose them as a disciple. But I, at some point, need to say, you know what? It's time for you to go on and disciple somebody else, and then I'm going to disciple somebody else. They're going to be able to go and share the gospel and engage somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They can come to faith in Christ, and then they can disciple that person. And that's what we can begin to do. That's the, the, the cycle of that core missionary task. You want to see and you want to begin to understand if God's calling you to missions, start living out the missionary task right now. 
You don't have to wait until you're in college. You don't have to wait until you've graduated. You don't have to wait until you take some class. You can live out this missionary task right now and figure out where God is calling you. After you leave today, I want you to think about these three things. These are action steps I want to challenge you with. The first one is this. View every relationship that you have through the lens of the missionary task. View every relationship that you have through the lens of the missionary task. But see, the missionary task is not a six-step process. It's just how we do life. There's some folks in my life that I am in entry and evangelism with. I'm walking through life. I recognize that they need the gospel. And I'm trying to figure out and determine how I can bring the gospel to them. There's others that I'm discipling. There's others that I'm developing as leaders and engaging in a church. Or there's others that I'm exiting to partnership. So view every relationship that you have through the lens of the missionary task. Pray for God to reveal His call on your life. Pray to God to reveal His call on your life. And then start obeying His commands. And we have those two commands, the great commission and the great, those great commandments, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. I want to show you this video of somebody who has answered a unique call. They're former uh, members of our church, and uh, they are now missionaries in Central Asia. <laughs> 